0: This episode and all of our Sundance coverage is brought to you by Road Microphones and My Road Real, The world's largest short film competition is back, bigger and better in 2017. Head to myroadreel.com to sign up now. Hey, I'm Liz Nord. Welcome to the No Film School Podcast. Imagine starting your day in bed with a gorgeous lover and ending it in the middle of a nightclub shooting. Or being face-to-face with an NSA whistleblower who's spilling deadly secrets. Or dancing through a lifetime of relationships until you become elderly and meet a dramatic end, or perhaps a new beginning. These are scenes from virtual reality projects. And they're each cinematic, but they're certainly not cinema. So why would a major film festival like Sundance take any interest in them? And how can filmmakers use VR to tell stories and reach new audiences? In today's episode, I speak with four people who can help answer these questions. The same four, in fact, who helped create the fascinating projects I described above, which premiered in the VR Palace at Sundance 2017. My guests are Lily Baldwin of Through You, Rose Trochet of If Not Love, and Yasmin Eliat and Eli Zananiri of Zero Days VR. I sat down with them immediately after experiencing their projects, and as you'll hear, I was pretty blown away. I think you will be, too, when you listen to our very brainy conversation about how they brought these groundbreaking stories to life and which filmmaking rules they had to throw out the window to do so. Well, I will say that I just came from seeing all your work. I'm blown away. And also like a little... um, I'm like in awe and in shock, and I'm sure you are as well. So we'll start with that. But um, I think uh, filmmakers always have a hard time with their log lines, and then it feels like 20 times harder because we don't necessarily have the language to describe VR, but I'm gonna ask you to try. So start by telling me your name and your project and give a little description. Why don't we start with Yasmeen?
1: Hi, uh, my name is Yasmina Layat, I'm the director of Zero Days VR and uh, Zero Days is a, uh, a documentary about the Stuxnet virus and about um, uh, cyber warfare in general and specifically about uh, the 2000 attacks on Iranian nuclear facilities um, and it's a uh, yeah, game engine and volumetric filmmaking uh, project.
2: Wowie, which I really want to experience. <laughs> Uh, My name is Rose Troche, and uh, my piece is called, If Not Love, and it's a a sort of a a contemplation of violence that might not have to happen. So that's, I'm going to stop before we keep going around and say it's such a beautiful description of
0: what the content of the project is, but imagine folks are listening to this on a podcast and have no idea what this might even mean. So maybe just quickly walk someone through, like, what does it mean They you come and you sit in this chair...
2: Yeah, um, you come and you sit in the chair, and you sort of are immediately put into um, a sex scene, and um, and you come to find out that this sex scene sort of happened in the past, and then you're kind of are put into the current time, and it's uh, a man, the same man, uh, and he's uh, he's heading to a club, and uh, and it's about a shooting at a club, and then it's really kind of I had this thought about imagining. If there could possibly be a moment prior to deciding to to, to plan and carry out a, a violent act that that could shift that that could stop that from happening or that that tangential moment where where you can you can follow a different path and that's what the piece contemplates. So it's sort of told in forward and then a moment happens again and it's sort of told in reverse.
0: So Lily, tell us about your project and also the experience of doing your project. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Lily Baldwin,
3: and I am here with Through You. I am a co-director with Sashka Unseld in that project. Um, this is my first VR project. i um, pretty thrilled to be here at Sundance with that. It is, Through You is a never-ending love story told through time. And it uses bodies, not words, dance, gesture, Old color sonics music environments to kind of propel you through different key points of intimacy and loss and tracks essentially this woman Julia who's your lover in the beginning if there is a beginning but side note the piece plays it, Infinitely, so it's it's a never-ending um, trajectory of cycle, one cycle that you can step in and out of. So our installation currently is that it's just a headset's playing inside of our velvet booth, then you can choose to step in and out of time as you wish. So for us, that was very important to kind of have not only just an experience inside of the headset, but set up. Um, sort of create some stakes and kind of a ritual around entering this weird thing you tether to your head and are asked to launch through this very uncomfortable experience into another space so um, stepping back into the narrative that uh, you were with Julia and she essentially, you are her lover, and she leaves you, and then you watch her as a silent witness or memory. And that's something that Sashka has really brought to the table, is this idea of memory through time as she grows older. And then eventually, is 92 years old, confronts you and essentially set, sets herself free from memory and the world that she knew it. So it's this really kind of high-impact, high-velocity, visceral, um, sexy, scary experience um that ultimately is a long poem wow
4: and i'm ellie zananiri i worked with yasmin Elayat on uh, zero days vr i'm the technology director on that piece and uh just to tell you more, more about the experience uh zero days vr is based off of zero days the feature length documentary and what we tried to do with it was really uh, use virtual reality as a way to uh, put you into uh, places where you would not be able to go regularly and really like embody the experience so uh, you get to experience what it's like inside of a computer following a computer virus going through it you get to go inside the natan's nuclear facility in iran and seeing how this virus affected uh, the centrifuges there you get to go to an to an NSA office and listen to an informant uh, tell you exactly like who was behind the the piece and uh, that sort of thing. So really, uh, the whole a big piece of the experience was trying to like get you to 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 this alternate reality that's uh, a different way of explaining the facts.
0: Our listeners and readers are primarily filmmakers. And every time I put up a VR post, which I do frequently, I get a lot of pushback, like, that's not filmmaking or whatever it is. And so I guess the first question's a little bit provocative. I'm wondering, why, why bother? Why did you bother telling a story in this way that takes so much extra time and tech and everything?
3: For me, as someone who's always felt outside of the box in terms of wanting to fracture time, Narratively, VR is sort of the ultimate playground, and it's a place uh, where I can mess up and not know anything. And as long as I work really hard at not knowing, then, then suddenly I know something. You know, it's sort of like it's a dream for me as a maker to just really mess around um, yeah so for me no but also for me mortality and bodies and what does it mean I feel like what, what can exist in VR that can't exist in film and that's it's not just an adaptation so for me it was about kind of taking the space that was about permission and just throwing things into the wind and with Sashka really at the helm of that saying you know, I didn't know much and he was just like hey what are your ideas and I'm like well can we try this he's like yeah So I didn't know what we couldn't be done. So at the helm of not saying no, that's where he was. You know, so then I feel like my ideas were welcomed. And that was really interesting. But I what cannot exist in film. That's where we exist.
2: Um, I think one of the first things that that, that they're right, it's not filmmaking. It's VR making. And um, I, I know that we don't know that that as well. Uh, so it might not be as sexy, but it needs to be given its own space to be the thing that it is, which is a different medium than filmmaking. Um, and because we don't have language around it right now, we kind of like we kind of fall back on on film language, like. You know the cuts, and let's cut there, and let's like pan across. You know, or let's dolly, or whatever. You know, we're using the same terms, and and it's a little bit of a trap because it really needs to be seen as something different. And I think that you can tell stories in there are things I don't think, if not love, I would have ever made as a as a 2D uh, short film. Um, I think it's the I think it's the impact of, of of the immersion that that the medium provides that allows you this kind of uh, more intimate and more, for for lack of a better word, rapid, um, uh, like uh, affiliation with it. You don't need the hour and a half, you know, uh, really. I mean, there's gonna be more long form and that's great, but I think that there are such gems that are I'm such a fan of short work and short stories, uh, both both written and, 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 and visual. And uh, for me, there's just such an amazing impact that you can have in a short period of time and and, you know, and I think everybody needs to approach it differently. I think it's wrong to, you know like Lillian Sashka wrote this to VR. It's not VR's not a, not, a, not a platform that you take an old script that you had and go like, oh, let me do it in VR. You know, um, I think it needs to. You need to make and think, and if you're writing, write to it, or if you're experimenting, experiment to what the form is.
4: Yeah, and I would think about that to what Rose said. Like, it's not uh, you. You have access to different like ways of communicating with people in VR, which is what's interesting. So you can use peripheral vision, for example, or you can use like uh, spatial audio, and you can have people look around. And there's really much more to explore that's what then what's in front of you it's not just about having a focal point in the frame but really about like creating a whole environment and having people like just live inside this environment instead of just looking at it which is what i find interesting with vr
1: yeah, I mean I think uh, for me to just a little bit of a, a background I actually come from a non film background I come from, I, I design experiences and story driven experiences um, whether they're participatory in the street traveling projects or installations and so for me uh, something like uh, moving creating a, um, an experience in, in virtual reality is is almost like the just the next stage it has the same type of challenges and and same types of uh, problems that I think are exciting about um, um, you know experimenting with how do you make people make make people uncomfortable in different ways um, with, you know, different tools at disposal and I think for me this is a project that actually is a script that is, you know, based on a feature documentary by Alex Gibney and we had the task of adapting it for VR and um, it's already as a, as a feature, it's a, it's a beautiful um, documentary um, but for us we wanted to see well, how can we, you know, Alex Gibney actually poses a question in the film which is how do you tell, how do you tell a story with the lead characters code and for us it was like well, um, actually we think that this could be the perfect medium where we can extend um, the film um, you know and kind of push some of the boundaries and kind of be um, a little uh, our worlds are kind of bleeding into each other. This is a story about how the digital worlds and the physical worlds are kind of interconnected, but also invading each other and it's um, um, uh, it's the boundaries less and less defined and uh, that was the VR was a perfect place to experiment and kind of create these worlds and communicate that. For me, like thinking, listening, it's really about culpability.
3: It's something I can't do in 2D space. And I love it. And not only are we culpable, we're implicated and we're responsible and those two tools and we can be invisible and we're included. So it's like if we just look like like the basic of that, that sort of the premise of those limitations and vast possibilities, that for me is why I want to keep exploring VR. And obviously, having a body is a part of that.
0: It's funny you said that, because, of course, our listeners haven't seen these projects yet. But that feeling is exactly how I felt at the end of Ellie and Yasmeen's project, a feeling of culpability or responsibility. So it works. Um, And also that that quote, um, that question, how do you tell a story where the lead character's code might be the most beautifully geeky thing I've ever heard. Um, And piggybacking off of what you all said, I imagine that some conventions from filmmaking are useful and some you have to throw out the window. So could you speak to that a little? Were there any things that from film backgrounds or from your experiential storytelling backgrounds that were useful in designing VR and some that were like, I
2: got to the cord with this one? I I think, you know, I, and I, and I think I, I think I have the longest career here, um, in, in traditional, um, uh, you know, film and television and media making. Um, and for me, I think the biggest thing that I bring to it is, is working with actors and directing actors and that kind of, and it's a whole different, it's actually such a, a wonderful, uh, and richer experience than traditional, traditional making, because you really are working out longer parts with them, it's much more uh, collaborative than than you know than I have worked in in traditional like in, in traditional like filmmaking. Um, so that's that's kind of been really great. And I tend to uh, work with actors who don't have big long resumes because it's a different thing for them. You know, it's a different experience. Um, and even the script is. The script is flexible in terms of what it is we're figuring out together, um, you know, and that that is that's for me one of the biggest things. And the other stuff I try to let go of because I don't want to limit what what the making is in this or the possibilities of 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 VR making.
0: So that's interesting. Is there more um, improvisation in VR?
2: There's a there's a certain letting go that you have to do with VR. Uh, you know or you can do I, I know that, that that you know like there is a you know you're kind of back out of the room again you know the way that I the way that I work um, you know we just kind of stuck a little Samsung on top and I was watching from a different room or you can do like what you and Sashka did which was like put on black suits and crawl on the floor and you have to let it be with the actors you have to trust that you've and in that way, we rehearse it more and more, you know, and, and really, really um, uh, work on the, the phys- just the, the physicality of the piece itself is worked on more than when I'm doing like a scene and I know that I can cut it. I'm going to cut here and then we go to the next thing. And it's this sort of truncated experience.
3: We worked uh, in, a, in a new way. Um, again, this being my first VR, you know, I'm sort of stepping in right off the cliff. <laughs> um, we wanted to move the camera as much as possible to create a very specific relationship with our subject, intimacy, sort of the primary goal. And so I, we talked a lot about sort of the camera breathing with the performer and what is that. And so we did a lot of tests, Sashka and me, where I was dancing and he was holding a camera. And well, he was sort of, I felt like he was dancing and I was dancing and there was a camera between us or he was standing and I was responding to it. And really kind of this interesting um, Conversation between ourselves as people with the camera there. So we wanted to recreate that somehow here. So we, we knew we wanted to move the camera. Uh, we covered the floors in with black kind of felted floor. Um, we wore black suits head to toe along with our amazing DP, Dahmer Weaver Madsen. Um, and I rehearsed with the dancers before. Always wish I had more time. But then kind of had built a vocabulary, and then worked with them on set, and kind of directed them through an experience. So, we knew what, we you know, we had context, we had scenes set up, and then it was sort of me there, belting, coaxing, listening, responding to that environment, kind of doing the inchworm on the ground. <laughs> and uh, it was bizarre. We did 20 to 40 minute takes, and then literally, Sashka and I cut into the footage afterwards, and Got the juice, figured out how to make those. And then I would kind of come in and I love like cutting minutiae of cut to cut. And so I would kind of come in and fuse those together. And then he was really good at kind of overarching, overarching narrative. And so the two, we just kind of went back and forth at each other. But that's how our, our set was different. But there was a lot of human, raw performance, real elements that we wanted to capture
1: Ours is going to be a little strange. Our project, uh, so Zero Days, actually we should mention we're part of Scatter. Um, Ellie's a technical director. on creative director at Scatter. And um, we're an immersive media studio. And, and the way we approach um, VR is we have kind of um, a technique we call volumetric filmmaking, which is really capturing um, real people um, volumetrically, and, but putting them into uh, game engine environments and immersive environments that we create, whether it's through photogrammetry or um, we create our generative systems. And so in Zero Days VR, it's a game engine, real-time, live and and I can speak to that um, um, and so I that's a whole for me that was a whole new ball game <laughs> I'm not a game designer and um, also working with so we have actually lo- um, real people and um, uh, telling you know one of our characters the informant is a real person who's volumetrically captured um, but then she goes through a whole um, visual and aesthetic range um, um, in this system and our main character Stuxnet is a is written in code and is a generative system plus our worlds that look like Natans. and so' we're, we, we blended kind of a uh, I guess kind of these, it's a hybrid approach. Um, I don't know what to call it really. We call it volumetric filmmaking, but um, I don't know if Ellie, if you want to jump in a little bit about that.
4: Uh, Sure, I think one thing that's interesting, like uh, is on the same vein of improvisation is that because uh, we use code a lot, what we like to do is is kind of write programs that are immersive and, uh, sorry, emergent that have emergent behavior, so every time you run it, it might not do the exact same thing, but what's interesting when you use a game engine to create a VR experience like that is that your film can look different every single time you watch it, and it can kind of, kind of have a life of its own, so you just set the rules, and then let it run, and it'll just do what it does, and you can even use uh, the audience feedback as part of input for that, so depending on what the viewer is doing, you can change what they're seeing, and I think that's one thing about VR that's really exciting, and you can't really do in film.
0: I have covered some of Scatter's work before and been following its predecessor for a long time. And even I don't totally understand what you're talking about. Um, And so I'm sure I'm not alone. Is there any more um, layman's terms way you can describe volumetric filmmaking?
1: Our partners, who um, aren't on here, but um, uh, so Alexander uh, Porter and James George, our partners at Scatter, had um, created this tool that's called DepthKit. Um, and uh, Scatter and, and DepthKit are now sister companies, but DepthKit has become a product that anyone can use, and it's essentially a combination of any camera and off, any off-the-shelf uh, depth sensor, like a Kinect or an Intel RealSense, which we're using here at Sundance in our installation. And um, what it does is it, um you use um, the depth data um, to with the, you know, high fidelity, of the um, of their, your camera uh, to create depth and um, to your characters, um, so you can re- actually 3D capture, 3D scan people as they are and put them real people into your any kind of game engine environment. So you can have six degrees of freedom and create an experience, uh, but with real people, so instead of model rigs um, or you know animatronics or something like that. Um, uh, I don't know if uh, that's so, a good explanation. So, can, I,
2: can I just ask a question? Because I kind of, of, I kind of know, like you know, uh, um, about this, and have been like, have been sort of like, oh, I don't know about capturing someone and placing them somewhere where you can walk around. Someone, you know, I, that's that's photo photogrammetry yeah thank you yeah. and so 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 for me my question would be i'm going to put them in a room i'm going to capture them I'm, so i have all of my cameras to capture them in 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 3d right and i'm photographing them are they going through the movements in the room as you would in a green screen situation
1: yeah the, so the difference what you're describing is mm. like a mocap system or or, or you know some yeah. of the other rigs um so the way actually death works is like it's you can set up anywhere um and it would be you can there's different systems, you can use one camera, you can with, you know, handheld, or you can do four cameras and to create a 360 uh, capture, but it would be essentially that, um, yeah, so I don't know if you've seen Giant, for example, last mm-hmm. year that was uh, captured with uh, DepthKit as well, the characters, mm-hmm. that family, um, and hopefully you will you'll get to see the Zero Days character or um, uh, our next project, Blackout, also, which is um, 360 people on a New York subway. Um, but it, it would be, it's, it's um, um, yeah, the difference would be, it, it is um, um, another way that's cheaper and more accessible than having a whole system with all these cameras yeah. it's essentially off-the-shelf hardware and you can um, use your own your ca- own camera equipment yeah.
0: this episode and all of our Sundance coverage is brought to you by Road microphones 100% Australian owned and made professional microphones for studio and broadcast and my Road Reel, the world's largest short film competition. Now in its fourth year running, with over $500,000 in prizes given away so far, My Road Reel is back, bigger and better in 2017. More films, new judges, and more prizes. To view past winners and register for 2017, head to myroadreel.com and sign up now. So I'm going to steer us back to the the rule-breaking. Actually... You, Yasmin and Ellie kind of uh, planted the seed to me when I was looking at their project but you know I was thinking about the rules being broken from filmmaking but there also are already conventions of VR that you may or may not find working for you so can you talk about your sticking to or leaving some of the VR rules in your projects?
4: Uh, sure I think one main thing is uh, a lot of people are afraid to That the viewers will have motion sickness so when when we started this project everybody that had done had more experience with vr was saying okay the camera has to be still Uh, if it does move it has to always move at a constant speed that's not too fast not too slow uh no cuts no phase like none none of that like you basically everybody was saying like you just stick somebody in an environment they do whatever for five minutes and then you cut and you're done and that didn't seem very interesting to us, so uh, we did a lot of tests, like where we would, like you know, do a lot of camera moves and see what happen- what worked and what didn't. And there's definitely like some situations where you uh, you can get people sick because they really feel it; uh, they feel physical reactions to to getting moved through space when they uh, virtually. And what we tried to do is to use that to our advantage. So when we did want people to feel uneasy in the piece, we would like, put in some camera moves that would make you feel uneasy and that would add to the experience. It wasn't just like, audio and visual, but it was also like, visceral. And uh, we, I think what was interesting here is that we tried to use that to our advantage without overdoing it, so keeping it kind of subtle.
2: I did, uh, in my first piece, um, The Party, which was just 220, uh, the, the, you, you go through the experience as a sexual assault piece, and you go through the experience as him, and then you go through the experience as her, and she's drunk. Um, so we really wanted to do that. I mean, we push, I think push people to the edge of being like, you know, that kind of, that kind of like wanting someone to physically, to, to sort of physically represent where this girl's at, like she's about to pass out or throw up, you know, like it's one of those two things. And so that was like that, that expressive camera. And I've never done a piece, even when I started, I've never done a piece without moving, you know, like it's always been, it's always, I'm just not, I guess I've seen a lot of pieces that there are some beautiful static pieces, but. To me, I think you know the camera movement and sort of trying to define that in this space and relationship of, of 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 character to camera has been something that I've that I've been exploring. And if not love, is the first piece that I've that I've edited that I've really not done the fade down, not done the the blacks that go in between. And you know, and and that was also because of the difference of of, of the use of camera. Uh, the perspective series is always in first person, so it's very difficult to cut out of your body you know you have to cut out of your body to a, to an exterior space that has a relationship to where that body was so it was, a, it was it was it was tougher with that with that conceit you know to 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 do that so and then so and and then i've just been sort of trying to progress what what narrative in vr making you know looks like and and i and i love that because every year we were just like we were just like they're like if you cut in this medium, you're gonna go nuts. The viewer will go nuts. It was like it was a whole thing. Like these brain, these, these people who study brain, it'll change, change your brain. And then and well, then, so like I, actually go nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's something like I met I met with someone who was a who was a, a like a like a, a brain literally like a brain scientist who was just like you're doing work in this and like and then it went to you know okay you you can cut but you have to make it ease the person in, through the cut and anyway so it's it's really wonderful to be at the point now where you know everyone's just
3: yeah we have over 272 cuts in ours and it's 14 minutes (laughs) so we've wanted to uh do something extreme and and test the limit and move the camera and cut it it's not just moving it's moving and cutting but I spent a lot of time I do a lot of cutting on action in my pieces and with movement and it's this whole kind of When I edit my stuff, it's this whole kind of physical choice making around, oh, when the limb, when the pinky comes forward and then, you know, we follow that and then we can cut to his pinky in the next shot and I kind of track bodies as a cutting tool. Just, I've always done that. So we, me and Sashka just sort of shacked up for two weeks straight and, and just tried all of these options of ways of cutting and seeing how we could propel narrative with that, without losing the audience, um, And I, it's not just, it's not just moving. It's like, and then there's the whole kind of the, you know, the no, I'm forget, I'm actually not aware of what it's called, but then the sort of fixed focal point concept of the nose that people wear. And, um, you know, for me, I don't ever look at what people look at usually too. Like I'll be the person staring at the, you know, the, the, the nubby sweater in the corner and not looking at the glittery star. And, you know, it's so following the, like tracking the fix. I wouldn't just never do that. So I was trying to. So, so anticipating cutting, knowing where people were gonna look too. So I often use body and it's just a very different way, kind of a oblique way of coming into this. If, if the you nubby follow me, I just kind of, method. I just Ooh. took a little leap there in my head. I think I need a nap, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys with my nubby sweaters and sparkly stars. <laughs> okay.
0: yeah, I which do you look at though that's gonna
3: tell me everything
0: about you (laughs) Wow fascinating Um, so we don't actually have a ton more time I do have a ton more questions but uh, it's a nice segue to um, you guys are all I mean the name of the, the platform here at Sundance is new frontier and you're sort of expected to be doing something new and you are pushing envelopes and you're breaking conventions So a more sort of philosophical question is how do you prepare yourself to do that? How do you um, take the space to get away from what you're used to or what other people have done and do something new?
1: Um, I, well I would say that I think um, a big driving force and I feel lucky that I work in t- just you know creative technology and uh, different types of mediums but for me it's always about um, um, trying to chase those stories or find those stories that really can't be told in any other way and then finding ways to support that story in, in um, uh, using the la- different types of tools or different types of technology and I feel like that intersection is where these exciting types of projects happen um, and so something for like zero days it, it was a the perfect contrib- convergence of, of of the form and, and the story like it was per, I, it's the perfect story for VR and not necessarily that it has to always be VR for the next project um, and I would say that's sort of my approach it's like what is it, the best service of this type of story and what is the best way to tell it that is uh, in a new way essentially
2: yeah I feel like I feel like not every story has to be told in in in, in VR and I think that that's a that that you have to kind of um, uh, you know really assess why it is you're, you're, you're making it in that, in that form. Also, why it is you're doing 360 rather than 220. Like, you know, I see some pieces and I'm like, this would make a great 220 and you'd have so much more, you'd have so much more flexibility in shooting. um, And, you know, so much more like kind of, you know, for those of us who want to be close to the action and close to the actors and, you know, like, um, you know, so I think that those are things that as we get more sophisticated, we won't, you know, once, once the sort of the, the, the the novelty of the full 360 kind of wears will really start exploring like what does this need to be you know does it and, and you know what what scope and what you know scale
3: yeah I guess you know for me doing something new obviously that is sort of that, that that isn't sort of what I start with but for me it's about listening to seeing where there's space to play and when there's not a lot of rules, or when there's rules that are being begged to be broken. Otherwise, I really personally struggle as a maker to figure out, understand how to fit inside of things. What do you mean by that? (laughs) What I mean is I've been trying to work on kind of linear narrative stuff for a long time, and um, it's not what naturally comes out of me, so I have a feature glass that I'm working on and that I've actually been working with Rose on. Um, And... Trying to get this feature to, to read, and so just that that kind of traditional, and you know, now we're out and we're making it, and it's happening. But it's sort of like how to fit the way I think of sort of these slices of moments, is sort of how I experience time and things, just me personally. So, letting go of needing to fit into that and trusting what how I naturally see, often leaves me in a place where there's less um, less codification. Does that make sense?
2: I, I have to just say that I that I very much agree with you. Um, and I think that that's another quotable, which is that which is that there it, it's it's a place where there are no rules yet, and so you don't. That's that's why it, it it sort of pains me a little bit that we're trying to shove it into a cinematic model, because it's like the world is your oyster in this, you know. And what it excites me about what you guys are doing is that you're you're really taking that like all of you guys like are really taking that ball and running with it. You know what I mean? And that's really that's. Like, extremely cool.
0: I was sort of asking, in a more philosophical way, how do you prepare yourself to get outside the box? How do you forget about convention and sort of create space in your own mind? But we got into the more, the nuts and bolts of, like, doing something new. So answer either one.
4: Okay. I guess, yeah, I mean, I I think my thing is just I get bored easily, so I will try something for a bit, and then as soon as I, like, I'm familiar with it, I kind of want to try to push the boundaries a little more. And the way I usually do that is I'll try to... Uh, collaborate, I'll find people to work with that I have like not too much in common with, or that we have like um complementing uh, qualities. and then we just try to like find a common ground together. And I think that's how like these weird ideas come out and these uh, weird experiments come out. And so that's just how I like to work. So I guess that's where the new frontier thing comes in.
1: Can I mention Ellie and I jumped into this project for the first week together, the first time ever working together? we've never worked together before (laughs) so so this was a new collaboration and very fresh
2: (laughs) yeah i have to say that that's that that's the really cool thing about it like a lot of times when you're doing traditional filmmaking or feature making or whatever you're alone and you're writing it then you're prepping it and then your crew starts to come in and you're the boss of it and this 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 form you're unless you know how to do it all which which very few people do you're really you're you're in a position of collaborating and that's like where all the ideas start to come out right like i'm collaborating with someone who threw out like three different things last night and i'm like oh my god let me take that let me write to that let me let me let me create an idea around that you know And that is what's really, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, VR forces collaboration and it forces collaboration with people you might never have
0: thought to work with programmers and filmmakers, you know, coders and DPs, whatever it is. Very cool.
3: Just to quickly, Liz, I thought that was a great question. How do I personally, emotionally prepare myself? I mean, I don't always think I'm great and I don't. I always
0: think you're great. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but like, it's, it's about being with people that um, we can be, I can be wrong in front of and that I can trust and people that can tell me when to stop. Those are all kind of elements for me, sort of, to a fertile environment for something to happen. So, and then with that, there's less judgment, and I think when there's less judgment, there's more. More can come out. The only thing that needs to come in with that place of exploration is rigor, and that's something that's very important to me. It's a real diligence to the form and the material you have, and to use it, flesh it, build it, break it, and sort of massage it as much as possible.
0: Mm. Great. So, we'll do one last question, sort of looking forward. So now all the big companies are getting on the VR board and making stuff and whatever. So what do you guys think is the future of independent VR making?
2: I think that's a really good question because having done traditional making for such a long time, um, this is very reliant upon a viewer or for example, or or this piece of software or hardware and and that relationship I struggle with a little bit, you know, that that suddenly there's a there's a level potentially a level of censorship that happens from the person who's giving you the thing that you have to view something through. And that used to never be there. You used to make a film, especially indie and you said specifically indie, used to make a film you know, and someone either wants to buy it or they don't want to buy it, you know, but you you know we, were, we weren't put in this position of like, hey, you know what that's not going to be good for my brand so suddenly the brand is leading, and that is very worrisome to me
4: I think yeah i'm op- I'm optimistic that like I agree with you that at this point like it's very there's a lot of control uh, from the technology companies that that create the hardware and that create the platforms to distribute them on but um, I'm looking a lot as uh, to indie gaming as a as a model and like you know the games was the same thing like you needed to have this system to play this game and it needed to be distributed through here and over the past few years like this this new model came out where like people are making games that uh there's platforms that exist that can let you develop games in in one uh, i guess in in one environment and you can deploy on many different platforms and that means that you can create something that as many people that many more people can see you're not really restricted to a specific platform. So my hope and which I think will happen is that this is going to to happen with VR as well. It's just going to be generalized. There's gonna be some open tools to, to just allow anybody, whether they have a phone or like a crazy PC or just, I don't know if something else like just a projector and some weird device can, can just watch your piece
1: yeah, i think just uh, to add on to what ali's saying i think i'm also very optimistic but i think a lot of scatters future is based on this optimism but it's this idea of this emerging market that hopefully we can kind of create an ecosystem where we can to create new types of distribution channels straight to different audiences and hopefully different reach and that's i think the kind of future that i'm hoping for and that i'm excited about and i hope we'll also sustain this type of work um you know we had a very tiny team working we are a very small team um and i'm i'm, I'm very optimistic about that that type of future
0: well thank you all so much this was fascinating and congratulations again on your project. Thank you. thanks liz we're a fan yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you so, you so much,
2: so much.
0: Awesome. thank you for listening you can hear lots of other fascinating conversations on the art of filmmaking and virtual reality by finding the No Film School podcast on iTunes. And of course, by visiting us at nofilmschool.com. Don't miss our Indie Film Weekly News Show, which comes out every Thursday morning and catches you up on everything you might have missed when you were busy making films. You can reach me on Twitter at lizfilm, and we are on Twitter at No Film School. See you on Thursday.